welcome to Focus on the Future, a future planning podcast for caregivers and families supporting people with disabilities. Focus on the Future is a podcast of the ARC Minnesota, a nonprofit advocacy organization working with folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities. My name is Alicia Wolf. I'm an advocate with the ARC Minnesota and your host for Focus on the Future. In this week's episode, I will be chatting with Jason Schellick. He's an attorney with the Autism Advocacy Law Center, and we will be having an in-depth conversation about estate planning and trusts and all the legal aspects that you should consider when you're thinking about your future. Thanks for joining us. In the last episode, I spoke a little bit about the three-legged stool, so how the core components of future planning are broken into three aspects, legal, financial, and quality of life planning. So in the next few episodes, I'm going to be focusing on one of those areas. And today's episode is going to be about legal planning, which we often call estate planning. And when it comes to families that are caring for a loved one with a disability, it's referred to as special needs estate planning. So it's this really niche area of law that some attorneys know really, really well and um, can, can help families with. And this is why the ARC has an attorney list of people that specialize in special needs estate planning because it is such a niche area of the law. Overall, estate planning is something that everybody and anybody should do. Uh, It's generally referred to as the legal coordination of your will and your trust, oftentimes healthcare directives and powers of attorney. Um, So all of the like paperwork stuff so that once somebody passes away, all of their estate is organized in a way where families won't have to fight in court or go through a whole legal arduous process. Uh, So estate planning helps protect all of that. Specifically, when it comes to supporting people with disabilities that are on government benefits, special needs estate planning focuses on making sure that people can continue to receive critical benefits even after their parents pass away. And this is often where trusts come into play. So families will think to themselves, I have a child with a disability. I would really like to give them some assets upon my passing to ensure that all of their needs are met across their lifetime. But the concern comes in when people are receiving benefits like social security or medical assistance where there are asset limits. The asset limits on these programs are often like two or $3,000. So if people have more money than that, then they're disqualified from these benefits that they really need. Trusts enable families to leave money behind for a loved one and know that The money in that trust is going to be spent on anything that is needed in the future without disqualifying them from benefits. And there's a few different kinds of trusts that people can consider, which I'll explain now. It's important to know that this information also is specific to Minnesota. If you are looking up information about trusts in California or Maine or Florida or Ohio, You'll hear similar language, but there will be different specifics in it. So know that this information is specific to Minnesota and also know that I'm not an attorney. So I can't uh, tell people exactly what they should do as far as a legal plan, but I can help people understand just generally what the options are. So in Minnesota, we basically have two different kinds of trusts. 
a third-party supplemental needs trust and a first-party special needs trust. Now, the third-party supplemental needs trust is what a lot of people put together when they are thinking about the future and they are proactively planning. A supplemental needs trust is often what families create when they are doing their will and they're thinking overall about estate planning. So a third-party supplemental needs trust is that proactive planning tool. It allows people to keep their benefits and receive as much money from anyone. Third party means that it's anybody aside from the person with the disability putting money into that trust. We call this the proactive planning tool, the supplemental needs trust. Alternatively, there is the first party special needs trust. Now here at the ARC, we affectionately refer to the special needs trust as the oopsie trust. And so this is when maybe proactive planning didn't happen or couldn't happen or was just an accident and somebody gave money outright to a person with a disability and said, oops, this can't happen. This person needs to still be qualified for these benefits. So now let's put it in a trust. This could also happen with a social security payback or with like a settlement from an accident. So a first party special needs trust is an oopsie trust. Oops, this person has money in their name. They shouldn't. We're going to put it in a trust. And so the special needs trust is the money that is the person's. The special needs trust also comes back, comes with a payback clause. So upon the person's passing, any money left in that trust has to go to pay the state back for any services that they have paid for and accrued over their lifetime. Whereas the supplemental needs trust doesn't have a payback clause and you can elect beneficiaries for any money that is still in the trust upon the person's passing. So basically in Minnesota, those are the two trust options, a third party supplemental needs trust, the proactive planning tool, and the first party special needs trust, the oopsie trust, the trust that's in, that's money that has been in the person's name at some point. Now with those two trusts, there's also two ways to set up those trusts. So you can set up those two trusts with a private attorney and then choose a trustee of your own choice to manage that. So often it's families that manage that or have a cousin or an aunt or, or something. So you can set it up privately with an attorney and choose your own trustee, or you can set up a pooled trust. And a pooled trust is managed by a nonprofit organization such as the ARC Minnesota. Uh, in Minnesota, there are a few different options for organizations that have and manage pooled trusts. We are just one of them, but it can be a great option for a lot of families. Many people choose the pooled trust option when they don't have anybody that can step into the role of a trustee or they just want it to be managed by the organization. And that is an incredibly brief summary of trusts and special need estate planning in Minnesota. There's a lot uh, more pieces that could go to that. So in future episodes of the podcast, we're going to talk about healthcare directives and powers of attorney and successor care for things like guardianship and trustees. Um, that's often something that comes in, but this episode specifically is going to be on all the illegal specific pieces. The rest will come later. So when you choose an attorney and you are starting with this process of doing your special needs estate plan, 
you'll go in and you'll say, I want to establish a supplemental needs trust and I need to do my will. Your will is another really critical component to the special needs estate plan because it is the document that describes what you want to happen with your estate and what your intentions are. And a will is an important legal document for anybody, but especially in this process, because your will has to state that the supplemental needs trust exists and that you want your estate to be allocated to the supplemental needs trust and not to your child with a disability. Your will has to say that explicitly, and it has to have some language in there that is specific to statute um, so that everything works well. And that's why it's so important to work with an attorney that is well-knowledged in this area. Uh, And that's why we have our pool of estate planning attorneys. So please feel free to call for that list at any time. Ask any additional questions that you may have because we're always here to help. Uh, So enough of me again talking about all of the intricacies of estate planning. Let's hear from Jason Shellick. I've known Jason for much of my career at the ARC, and he has been an incredible advocate and legal support for many of the families that work with the ARC. He's on our attorney list and uh, just a really great resource, as well as all of the other attorneys that we work with. Um, I'll let Jason introduce himself, and now we'll jump into the interview. Thanks for being here today. Really appreciate you coming in. Of course. Uh, maybe we can start by how you define special needs estate planning and what your work means to you. Sure. So special needs estate planning to me means a family is looking to make future plans that help fund their disabled child's future. And when we talk about when I talk about special needs estate planning with clients, um, some of the some of the pieces that we do that other law firms may not do would be the supplemental needs trust and the special needs trust. And those are sort of, the supplemental needs trust is what I really refer to as the backbone of a special needs estate plan. Um, And then we sort of build from there. Okay, great. How did you get started in this work? So I have been working with families who have kiddos with disabilities since high school. Um, I started working for Camp Courage North and I worked for Camp Courage North for about six summers. I PCA'd for one family, the same family, for about seven years throughout uh, undergrad and then part of law school. After I graduated from law school, I did a stint in the public defender's office up in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, for about a year and a half. And then when I saw that the Autism Advocacy Law Center was hiring, I submitted my resume right away. Um, I got an interview within about a week, um, and then within about 10 days, had an offer to start working at the Law Center, and I've been there since, and that was in 2013. And you've since purchased the yes, law firm. Yes, correct. So the firm's founder is a uh, individual by the name of Amy Dawson, who is now Judge Dawson in Hennepin County. Um, Amy was elected to the bench in 2014, and then... Um, in 2015, uh, when she uh, when she was seated on the bench and sworn in, um, I essentially inherited a law practice. So there are three attorneys right now uh, and one very, very capable legal assistant. We do uh, um, we do all of our work is focused on working with the special needs community, um, parents and individuals themselves and family members and caregivers. Um, we do a lot of estate planning, special needs estate planning. 
Um, we do medical assistance applications for clients. We do social security applications for clients, uh, guardianship cases, healthcare directives, powers of attorney. Um, and then increasingly, I myself am doing a lot of um, family law. When families come to you and they have like their first meeting with you about future planning, what are some questions that they typically ask? Why do they come to you um, so, or your law firm? Sure. So families are typically coming to us. They've, they've either heard me speak at a conference. They have heard about us through a Facebook parent group that they're involved with. Um, they've heard about us from ARC. They've heard about us from PACER. Um, and they are looking, I think, for some guidance as to uh, I. I know in general what estate planning means. It means having something like a will and maybe a trust, but how do we set this up and make sure that it's correct? I think a lot of people have fears around, um, you, you know, in the olden days going through the through the yellow pages or white pages, and these days just Googling specialty estate planning and making sure they find a good fit for themselves, for their family, and making sure they find an attorney or firm that actually does this work correctly. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people are coming to us looking for some expertise in this area and for attorneys who handle these matters and these wills and trusts, and especially in trusts, often known as trusts, um, on, on, on a regular basis so that they have the sort of the, the confidence and comfort that we are, that, that the product they're getting, that the estate plan and the legal documents that are being uh, drafted for them and executed do in fact um, meet their goals. And do what they're intended to do. Correct. Yeah. Correct. In order to correctly draft a special needs trust or a supplemental needs trust, you have to understand social security and medical assistance. If you don't understand those two programs, you're not going to be able to draft the trust pro trusts properly, and you're not going to be able to advise your clients properly on how to spend trust assets. There are big law firms out there that do estate planning really, really well for people who have a lot of money. For a lot of those families, they haven't considered or um, have sort of uh, decided to, at that point in time, not yet apply for any government benefits. And a lot of times the attorneys who are really good at helping large net worth families manage their wealth don't understand social security medical assistance, SSI rather, medical assistance, because those are generally thought of as programs to help poor people. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. in those attorneys' general practices when they're meeting with you know, millionaires. They don't need to know about those. They don't need programs. to know about mm -hmm. MA um, because they essentially self-fund their futures and their, and, and their kiddos' futures, which is fine. But if government benefits are available to help with your child's future, why not take advantage of them? And that, with that being said, so a lot of the people that you support are middle income. Mm -hmm. A lot of families think that, like... <clears throat> $3,000 to create an estate plan is really, really expensive and really costly. Would you, what do you say in response to the cost of establishing a full estate plan? So my response would be it, it is, you are put, you are incurring some costs up front, but it would, it, it is much less expensive to do proper estate planning on the front end than to die without a will, without any estate planning documents, without a supplemental needs trust. Because if you die, what we call intestate. So dying intestate means without a will. Then we look to Minnesota law um, to decide how that person's estate gets divided up amongst their heirs and relatives. 
And if one of those individuals happens to be an individual with a disability who is receiving government benefits, social security, and medical assistance, oftentimes we would have to open a probate, we would have to draft a special needs trust, and then we'd have to um, make a motion or file a motion or a petition for a protective order in order to transfer the individual's assets out of their name, out of their personal, um, out of their personal estate into a special needs trust. That whole process will cost you well over $3,000. Mm. So at our firm, in general, for the, for the estate planning that we do for a married couple, for two wills, two healthcare directives, two powers of attorney, and a supplemental needs trust, which is what I would call kind of our standard special needs estate planning package, our flat fee is generally right at about $2,400. So to do all of this work up front and give clients the peace of mind of knowing that when the second parent passes away, or even when the first parent passes away, that they're that legally mm-hmm. they are set up um, so that their child is protected and that um, their government benefits won't be interfered with. I think that most folks understand that putting the you know, doing the initial investment up front, setting their affairs up correctly legally, um, is a lot more cost effective. And then, how often would you say? Once you've established the trust and the will and the healthcare directive, how often would you say people should reapproach that? So I recommend that folks, you know, some people, a lot of attorneys will say every year. I think it's good. I think it's good at least every year to review what is in your estate plan, namely who are the people who I have appointed or nominated to play these really key roles for me? Who do I want to be my personal representative? Who do I want to be my healthcare agent? Who do I want to be my attorney in fact? And who do I want to be the trustee of my supplemental needs trust for my uh, child with a disability? The, The people that we nominate now in 2019 may not be around in 2030. People move, people go... Um, people get jobs. Relationships change. Correct. So <laughs> yeah. all, I mean, there are all sorts of reasons that that um, and a client may want to change who their nominated personal representative, healthcare agent, attorney, in fact, um, and trustee are. That brings up the point of successor trustees and who people name. And that's a lot of the work that we do here at the ARC in our Future Life Options Program is helping people think about who is in their life and who can step in and act in those roles when they're no longer here. And that's a lifetime conversation, right? Very much so, And yeah. it's, it's a much bigger conversation than I'm sure you have with a lot of people that you support. And as that question comes up, do you have any tips that you share with families? Yeah, and I, the general advice I give to folks is to the extent that we can nominate somebody who knows the individual with the disability well and knows their needs, that's oftentimes a really good option. So when we first establish a supplemental needs trust, oftentimes it's the parents or the parent who are the initial trustees. Um, but then I think the, the more pressing issue that you raised is after the parents are, parent or parents are no longer able to serve as trustee, who do we nominate to be successor trustee? I think frequently um, a natural selection may be another sibling, um, if there are no other siblings in the family, um, perhaps an aunt or an uncle, um, other family members, uh, nieces and nephews, cousins. I, 
you know, philosophically like the thought of having, you know, of supporting the individual with their current, um, with their current support network. That being said, sometimes there are, there are folks out there um, who, who don't have an extensive support network. Um, and then we do have to look to um, independent or professional trustees to take over. And we also draft all of our su supplemental and special needs trust to allow the trustee to merge the, that particular trust with a pooled trust. So the way that we've drafted, the way I've always drafted our trust is if and when the trustee wants to step down or step aside and there isn't another family member willing to serve and if it may be too, co be too cost prohibitive to appoint a... A, um, a professional trustee that the, that the trustee, the current trustee, can merge that trust with one of the pool trusts around, like like ARC's pool trust. Yep. Did not know that. Yes. That's great. Yes. Cool. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that, that brings up one of the questions that I was going to ask about. You set up private trusts Correct. where families can elect their own trustee. Correct. Another option is to set up a pooled trust where a charitable organization acts as the trustee. Um, do you have any advice to the general public or anything that you'd like to say along that? Yeah, so I'm aware in Minnesota that there are two organizations that operate pooled trusts. Am I right? Yes. You folks and, uh, and Lutheran Social Art Services. Art Minnesota and Lutheran Social no. Services, yeah. Uh, and the, I think, you might know, my opinion of... Uh, of ARC and of LSS is, 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 I have a lot of respect for the two organizations. Um, I think that do, they do a great job at administering their pooled trusts. Um, I think the vow, many different, there, there are many different um, perks, I think, to using a pooled trust. One of them is you get to maximize the, the, the trust corpus, so, that, so the, the assets in the trust, particularly for a trust that doesn't have a whole lot of money in it. So, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, what I see, or what, I see, what I've seen in my experiences, for a trust that doesn't have a lot of, you know, say it doesn't have more than $50,000, $100,000, to merge that into a pool trust, you get to invest that with other people's, other folks, um, other folks' trust money and um, have a more diverse um, investment scheme to get a greater return uh, on the trust income. So. One major advantage to me is getting more investment income on that trust that you would get as part of a pool trust, part of a larger trust corpus than, small, than just that small trust corpus by itself. I think another major advantage is it allows family members to be family members mm -hmm. and not have to be the person or the bad guy or the bad person who says, no, you can't have that Nintendo game <laughs> cartridge. No, I'm not going to let you... Buy a um, car in Tennessee that you haven't seen. Yes, yeah. purchase things on eBay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's a, it's a nice way for family members to say, we just want to be family members. Um, and if there are any disputes regarding financial issues, especially when an individual, after an individual turns 18... To be able to, it's nice for parents and siblings to be able to say sometimes, go ask your, the, go ask your trustee, mm -hmm. your trustee is in charge of your money. Go ask your dad, go and ask then, your mom. Yes, and <laughs> then if they say no, yeah. then, then, then they say no, um, but it does take the pressure off the, the family members. I think I just have one more question for yeah. you. Go ahead. Um, 
you said that when you do the special needs estate planning with families, it comes with the will, the trust, the health care directive, the power of attorney. Correct. Now, when we talk with families about doing a health care directive, we say that you don't need an attorney to help you do just that piece of it. Same with the power of attorney, depending on what you want it to cover. Um, would you agree with that, with being able to do, if you wanted to do just a health care directive on your own, would you say that it's safe for people to fill that out and go to honoring choices and do that? Yeah, I... I I think if you if you live in the state of Minnesota and you want to do your healthcare directive on your own and the power of attorney on your own, I would direct people to the Minnesota Attorney General's website. And I would, because um, the Minnesota Attorney General's office is kind of a consumer, is pro-consumer, pro... It's great plain language yeah, information, plain language. very straightforward. Yeah. Correct. And the forms, I've reviewed their forms and their forms, in my legal opinion, are valid and comply with Minnesota law. So if someone is looking to do that on their own, I'm very comfortable referring folks to the Minnesota Attorney General's office to use their, you know, um, their guidelines and their forms for doing their health care directives and powers of attorneys. I'm not as familiar with honoring choices. I know it's popular with a lot of people. I just don't have the background of knowing who creates their templates. Are these created by attorneys? Is it, is it, are these templates created by, you know, legal Zoom? I just don't know. I would never do legal Zoom. I would never do um, SusieOrman.com. Um, I've had people walk in with stuff that they've um, gotten through uh, through legal Zoom, and it's clearly defective. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do any of your own estate planning. I, and you live in Minnesota, I would definitely use the Attorney General's um, forms and guidance on that. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. Is there anything that we've missed in this conversation? I don't think so. Um, folks are always welcome to, to follow up with, with us individually. Um, so if you go to the website, autismlawcenter.com, you can submit an inquiry through the website and it will get routed to whichever attorney um, happens to be working on that particular question and we will get back to people. Great. Yep. Thanks for coming in today. You're very welcome. Much appreciated. So there's that. Just a little bit of information about legal planning, what it is, where to start, and how to do it. Remember that you can start this process at any time. It's never too late. um, And it's always worth it. And this is just one of the the pieces to consider. Uh, So stay tuned for what we have out next. If this episode inspired questions for an advocate at the ARC, please give us a call at 833-450-1494. On the next episode of Focus on the Future, we will be talking about quality of life. One of the critical aspects to the three-legged stool. And in this episode, we'll be talking to people about what makes a good life, how they have ensure that their child will live a good life now and in the future, and what you can do along the way to make that process easy for yourself and for your loved ones. I hope you'll join us. Focus on the Future is a podcast of The Arc Minnesota. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming service to stay up to date with the newest episodes. If you're enjoying listening, please support the podcast and our mission by donating at arcminnesota.org slash podcast. Our podcast music is composed and recorded by Micah Cadwell. Micah is a talented guitarist from New Brighton, Minnesota, who also has autism.
Thank you, Micah.